But speaking of my car, that's my car. Or a picture of, not an actual picture, that's a prototype picture of my car. My car is a 2006 blue Chevy um, HHR. Being 2006, it's already 14 years old. 14 years old is much older, not much, but older than some of you sitting here tonight. It has 234,000 miles on it, which equals going around the earth nine times. Or it's very close to the distance between the earth and the moon. To say the least, this car has gone through a lot and it is closer to the end than it is the beginning. My dashboard has starting to light up like a rainbow of colors of red, yellow, and orange. And it's just further um, signs that my car is going to die soon. I don't know when it's going to die, but I know my car's life is at the end rather than closer to the beginning. Every day I ask myself when I drive it, will this be the day that my car dies and I have to buy a new vehicle? But just like I I know that one day my car will not work anymore, but I don't know when exactly it is or when that time is, we as Christians know this truth that Jesus one day will return, but we don't know when. We know that There's such thing as called the end times that the current and present earth will come to an end. We know it's approaching. We know it's a lot closer than the creation of the world. We know we're getting closer to it. We just don't know when exactly it's going to happen. But we know that there'll be a day when things end. This comes, this brings us to our next crucial question. Um... Go one more forward. Next crucial question in our series of crucial questions. Are these the last days? Now, this is a very important question to ask because I don't know if you thought about this or not, but with everything going on in the world, you have a lot of skeptics. I mean, even when I was growing up in your age, we had the Y2K movement. We always had people trying to guess when the world's going to end. We've always had people trying to create fear and us of a date that is approaching soon that we have to be prepared for. Most of those people don't really know the real date of the world's ending and those dates have passed and the world has continued, but we are promised in Scripture that Jesus will return and that the world will end as we know it. And so this is a crucial question that we must ask ourselves as, as students, as Christians, as believers of God's word because we have to be ready. We have to be faithful when Jesus does come back, when he does bring his church with him into heaven. How many of you have seen a beautiful building? What's the most beautiful building you've ever seen? Anybody? Most beautiful building you've ever seen. Yeah, Julia. The Library of Congress at Washington, D.C. Very beautiful. I've been there. It's an impressive building. For some, if you... Can you go back to the previous slide? For some, um, it's a big cathedral. Uh, We have Holy Name Cathedral in the bottom right-hand corner, which is in Chicago. I've been to it. 
You have Notre Dame Cathedral, which is over in Europe, which I have not been to. But you have the World Trade Center, one World Trade Center, the current buildings in New York, the pyramids in Egypt. You have the Willis Tower in Chicago. Some would say that those are pretty impressive buildings, and they're much more impressive buildings. I just chose five random ones. But some would say that those are pretty impressive structures, that they don't anticipate those coming down anytime soon, that they're beautiful, they're, they're majestic, and they're structurally sound, and it would take a lot for those to get destroyed. We see in Matthew 24, this is kind of the setting that Jesus and his disciples are in. His disciples are just now leaving their temple complex that they knew it, which was this massive and great temple. Herod the Great built it, and it was just tremendously huge. And Jesus says this to them in 24, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, you want to meet me in Matthew 24, I'll be reading in verse 1. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. Basically, what this means is they were like, hey, Jesus, look how beautiful these buildings are. These buildings are gorgeous. They're phenomenal. Look at the hands that have built these buildings. Jesus responds to them in verse 2. Do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you that not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. Basically, he's saying as if one of those impressive structures that were up there. Can you go back to that slide? One of those impressive structures, those buildings, just sake for comparative sake, that one of those would be like the temple in Jesus' time. And he's basically like, yep, not one stone of one of those buildings is going to be left on top of the other. It's going to be utterly destroyed. Kind of like that video, the video of the week where you have something and the next moment it's completely gone. It's vanished. It's, it's been exploded. And so this is kind of the picture that the disciples are seeing. They're seeing this huge, magnificent structure, and they're like, is this even possible? What are you talking about? Why would someone want to destroy this? And not even one stone would be left on top of another. Jesus responds, and he continues in verse 3. And I'm just going to read through Matthew and then go back through it a little bit. In verse 3, while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Shoot, if I knew that one of these big buildings were going to be destroyed, I'd like to know when. Shoot, if I knew that one of them was going to be leveled and not a stone was going to be left on top of another, before the news people got there and the media got there, I would want to know it. It's a pretty big event. It's a catastrophic event for some people. So the disciples are like, Jesus, when is this going to happen? He replies to them, verse 4, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying that I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, so that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, and earthquakes in various places. 
And all these events are just the beginning of labor pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betrayed one another and hated by one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. And so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get these things out of his house. A man in his field must not go back to get his coat. And woe to the pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or a Sabbath. For a time there will be great distress in the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. What does this mean? Is this meant to scare us? No. In fact, when Jesus is talking about a lot of these things, a lot of these things have already taken place in time and history. The temple that Jesus was referring to that was going to be torn down and destroyed was destroyed roughly around 70 A.D. by the Romans. When he was talking about earthquakes and famines, that happened when the Romans sieged Jerusalem and people fled. It was safer for you to flee to the mountains than for you to stay in the city. The, the description of the events that Jesus is giving was more of an immediate event that was happening within the next 40 to 50 years. So many of these things have already taken place. Many of, the, many of these things have already been fulfilled, and Jesus was telling the truth. He prophesied, and it came true. As we continue reading in verse 23 we see that the prophecy shifts a little bit. It moves more into a futuristic description. Actually, starting in verse 29. Immediately after this, the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the people of earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. And here Jesus says, hey, at the time of distress, at the time that all these terrible things are happening, the Son of Man will come. And so to understand this, Sproul in his book talks about how this is an extended age of tribulation. That these are things that are going to happen, and when all the things have been fulfilled, the Son of Man will return. And Jesus goes down to 36 and says, Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. No one knows when Jesus is going to return. No one knows, except for God the Father, when he will send Jesus back. And so we have this description, we have these events, this timeline that's crucial. It's called a crucial question for a reason. Why is it crucial? 
because these events are happening rapidly. And a lot of them are being fulfilled that Jesus spoke about. And so we have to be ready. What does that mean for a student? What does that mean for a hype student? If these are the last days, which they are, which in this description of prophecies being fulfilled and things happening and Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, be ready, we don't know. So what's a practical takeaway for hype students, for middle school and high school students? First thing is, A, if Jesus came back today, are you saved? And do you have a relationship with him? That's the first and foremost takeaway. And B, if you are saved, are you being faithful? The thought kind of terrifies me if Jesus comes back at any moment in time, I should be acting in such a way that I anticipate his return. What is the two greatest commandments in the Bible that we talk about most often, that we can summarize the entire Bible? What's the two greatest commands? Love God and what? Love others. I ask you to ask yourself this question. Throughout your day, do you ask yourself those two things? Do I, am I loving God and am I loving others? So that at the moment when Jesus comes back, I'm not, t- I, I'm not scared. I'm ready. I'm being faithful. And the moments that I'm in class and the moments that I'm interacting with my, with my peers, my teammates, my friends, when I'm playing sports, when I'm working, I'm loving God and I'm loving others. And I'm being ready for when Jesus comes back. Because in this moment, like that explosion in the video of the week that explodes and it's instantly gone, Jesus talks about how he will instantly rapture his church. Continuing in Matthew 24, 37. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day of Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. And this way, the coming of the Son of Man will be. There will be two men in the field working. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding grain with a handmill or working, and one will be taken and one left. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know that day your Lord is coming. But know this, that the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming. He would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is basically using this illustration here of someone breaking into your house. Has anyone had a nightmare or feared someone breaking into your house? Has someone ever experienced their house being robbed? How many of you are afraid of your house being attacked or being robbed or anything like that? What, is, what Jesus is saying here is this, this illustration of, of a house being robbed. Here he says, if you knew that your house was going to be robbed, you would stay awake, for when the robber comes to the door, you would be ready. But because you weren't, like no one stays up all night expecting their house to be robbed. Most people go to sleep, and then the robber happens, 
and a blink of an eye, and they don't notice it. So Jesus is saying, using this as an analogy of when he will rapture his church. Basically, he's saying, hey, you know that it's going to happen. So it'd be like, say, like, hey, your house is going to get robbed. I can't tell you when, but sometime in the future, your house will get robbed. Wouldn't you not start putting stuff in preparation, a security system, cameras, more locks on your doors? You would be on high alert. Shoot, I'd get a puppy dog. I'd get like a big old German shepherd ready to guard my house if I knew that someday my house was going to get robbed. I would take the preparations necessary. But this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's saying, hey, one day I'm coming back. And if you have a relationship with me, I'm going to take you with me to be with God forever. If you don't have that relationship, you're going to be left behind. It's going to happen. You might not know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen, so prepare. Make those necessary actions to prepare your heart, to prepare your soul, to make sure you have that right relationship with God, which only can be through Jesus. We know that it's coming, we just don't know when. And so we have to be ready. Jesus furthers this concept of being ready in verse 45. He says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says in his heart, My master is delayed, and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him. And at that hour he does not know. So what he's saying basically is, you know, how many of you have been told to do something in your house by your parents? They go out on a date or they leave and do something And they told you before they return, they want you to, I don't know, clean the house, do your chores, get your homework done, do the dishes, something like that. Who's ever had that situation? I've had that situation. How many of you have failed to do that task when they got home? I have failed to do that task when my parents got home. My job personally was to vacuum. I was the vacuumer would have to vacuum my room and the room beside my room, which was like more of a family room. But there would be times mom and dad would go out and they'd be like, hey, Kent, before we get back, I want, I want your room and the family room to be vacuumed. And I'd be like, okay, mom, got it. Usually at this time I'd be playing a video game when they told me that they want me to do this one thing and they told me when they would even be back. I even had a time deadline. They would give me, be like, hey, we're going to be back in two hours. Got it. Cool. Guess what? Did I move in those two hours? Nope. What happens? What happens when you're told to do something and they give you a timeline and they go away? You tend to procrastinate. You tend to put it off. And when they come back and see that you haven't done it, what happens? You get punished. You get mad. Why? They gave you the timeline to do their stuff. They gave you the task to do it. They gave you all the things necessary for you to complete the task in the timely manner that they had asked you to do. But you didn't do it. 
And so rightly, they get upset at you. And Jesus' story, he concludes with that servant that says, oh, my master's gone. I'm, he's, he's, he has a delayed coming back, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. That, that master gets punished, or that servant gets punished. In this same way, Jesus is relaying this illustration that, hey, I've given you a task. I've given you an assignment. I've told you I'm coming back. But because he hasn't come back and he hasn't told us a specific time and his coming back seems kind of delayed, a lot of us tend to not do the task that he has given us. A lot of us tend to procrastinate and be lazy with the task that Jesus has given us. And like the illustration, if we don't believe he's really coming back and we live for our own selves and we procrastinate and we put off, put off, put off, there's going to be discipline. There's going to be God's wrath upon you and you'll be left behind, cast away into hell eternal. And I don't say this to scare you. I say this to prepare you, to ready you, because out of love to you, I want you to be ready. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be faithful I want you to be strong. I want you to be aware. This is not something, a time to be afraid. The only reason you should be afraid of the end times of Jesus' returning and coming back is if you're not ready. And you know you're not ready. For the rest of us, for those who believe and have a relationship with Jesus, this is an exciting time. I cannot wait until Jesus comes back. I cannot wait to be with him forever and this perfect, intimate love. I cannot wait. It's going to be glorious. But we have to ask ourselves the question, are we being a faithful servant of him? What does this look like? What does being a faithful servant mean? It means this. God gave us this task to spread his love to the nations. We see this throughout Scripture. We, in January, Crosspoint, as a church, we talked about missions. We talked about spreading God's Word to the nations. And Acts, it also talks about not just to the ends of the earth, but to the city where you're from, the country where you're from, and then to the ends of the earth. So it doesn't mean in high school you have to take all these mission trips that fulfill this task. This means who goes to school to you may even sit next to you in class that you know doesn't know Jesus. Doesn't have this relationship with the creator of the universe that if Jesus came back today, that they'd be left behind and not being able to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Name one person and start praying for that person. Start praying for opportunities to share Jesus with that person. For believers... Students, that's a task that God has given us. And then also, how is your relationship with Jesus? How are you loving God and loving others? How is your personal time with Jesus? Are you having that intimate, deep connection with the Creator? Are you reading His Word, students? 
Do you pray to him? Do you talk to Jesus? Do you have this relationship that you know that he's there no matter what with you? That no matter what trial in your life is going on, no matter if you're getting a terrible grade in a class, no matter if friends kind of betray you, no matter if you're not the most popular one in school, no matter if you got cut by a sports team, no matter if your home life isn't that great, if your parents are fighting, and no matter the situation, you know that Jesus is beside you. Do you have that kind of relationship with him? Are you being prepared? Are you ready? And are you working and fulfilling the task that God has set before you? I just want you to think about these things. I want you to be encouraged. This is not a scary topic. This should be an exciting topic. And so I want to leave with this thought. I want to leave with this one thought that um, was presented to me a number of years ago. And it was this thought of, am I being all in for Christ so Christ can be all in and using me? Is this concept of being sold out for Christ, is this concept of living out my daily devotion to Him and in class, in my athletics, in my work, in my study, that I'm giving everything for Him. And it's at that moment when I give everything for Him that He is working through me completely. And I can spread the gospel to students next to me. I can take advantage of those opportunities. I can stand up for what's right in class, and I can stand up for what's right when people put down God or put down the Bible. I can defend that. Are we all in for Christ so He can use us in every way possible? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for just giving me words to speak and talking about this topic of the last days. God, I just thank you for um, just loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. God, thank you for being you. God, I just pray that this topic of, of when you're going to call us home, when Jesus is going to come back, that it's not a topic that would scare us, God, but it would be a topic that would excite us, that would comfort us, God. God, I pray that this would be something that we long to see as we long to be with you forever and ever. God, I pray that we would be ready. I pray that you would give us boldness and wisdom and courage to face obstacles in our days and be ready to answer when, when we're asked, why do you believe in God? Who is Jesus? God, I just pray that we would be faithful in fulfilling the task that you've given us. We'd be faithful in loving you and loving others well. God, I love you. God, I serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.